the module. This is a great uh, pleasure to be here in India. This is my first time to India. Uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do. So I'm from South Africa, and uh, we're always getting beaten by your great team. <laughs> and uh, I'm extremely envious of uh, your players, and you have. There was a time where uh, we used to give you a run for your money, but, uh, but uh, anyway, we, should, we shouldn't talk about that too much. Uh, I think uh, India is a fantastic place. Um, I, I love your culture. I, I, I find uh, uh, you all very expressive, very colourful, very uh, communicable, very collective, uh, very social. Uh, these are wonderful things um, in, your, in your culture. and. and you are and your worship. Oh my gosh, this uh, this morning's worship. I, uh, I, in fact, I said to the worship leader, uh, we should just get the sermon this time and do the worship. So, you guys really are onto something. And the space and what you've done and just sharing your story uh, as an outsider who's just coming in for the first time is really, really, really incredible what God is doing in you and through you. And sometimes you're so close to the cold face that you can't quite see it. So uh, if all you hear today is an encouragement and a well done, then uh, I've, I've, I've done uh, most of my job. So, but don't end it here. This is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. And uh, God has got huge purposes for you. Well, let me give you a quick introduction as to about me. I am from South Africa, uh, as, as I said. I have done quite a few things in my time. I I've worked in the law faculty as an academic lecturer in law. I became a pastor in South Africa. I then moved to Singapore and I practiced law there. In, uh, I don't want to bore you with the details because construction law doesn't sound that exciting and you're absolutely right. But uh, that's what I used to do for a, for a time. Uh, I planted a church on the side. Uh, that went really well and then it didn't work out and we had to close it down. So that, is, that was a sad story. I won't bore you with those details either. And uh, I went back into law, carried on practicing there, and uh, came across a lot of Indian lawyers, by the way, because I was in international arbitration. So a lot of your, uh, your members of your bar would come and would, uh, have some good old battles in, in, in the courtroom. And uh, about a year ago, I became, went back into the street working in a church in Singapore. So uh, what you also need to know is that our church Praise for you guys. And uh, we have it on our hearts to pray for you and to love for you and to think of you. And uh, we organize prayer meetings where we actually hold you all in prayer. So I don't know if that's an encouragement. It should be. Uh, but uh, we take you seriously. And uh, again, part of my being here today is, is to share that kind of love and to tell you you're not on your own. But uh, we are, best as we can, fighting for you. Um, today, I want to talk about work. I want to talk about your career. And uh, we're going to, man, as you know, in Genesis chapter 1, so if you could somehow get a map in front of you. Genesis chapter 1 is, is a deep story. Now, I don't want to presume that everybody here is a Christian. You might not be a Christian, you might just be visiting. If that's you, can I say you are arguably the most honored person in this room? 
and uh, we want to give you a very warm welcome. So I'll try and talk with you in mind. Genesis chapter 1 is the Christian story of how it all began, that God made everything, God has made humanity, and the truth is, is that is the best way to view the world, is that it's God's world, that God is true, that He is in charge, that God has a design, He has a purpose, that God is intimately involved in everything in the world. Now, you may feel that God is distant or absent or neglectful, but He's forgotten. The force of Genesis chapter 1 is to communicate to you that God knows, He cares, and He is close, He is with us. And for the cherry on the top, He has a plan, a purpose, and a design for humanity, which includes you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So let's go back to Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds in the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, this is Adam and Eve are about to be made, the first humans, right? And this is going to be their career, some of it. This is God has made them, and He's made it for a purpose, and He's Given them a job, they have a job. So, by the way, when I talk of career, I'm talking about your occupation, the thing that occupies your time. So you might be a mom at home. That's your occupation, right? That's that's your work that you've been asked to do. Or you might be retired. There's still something which occupies your time, which God has for you. And here we see some of the ideas that God has for Adam and Eve for their work. But let's talk a little more generally first. Then God said. What we learn about God here is that He speaks. Okay, you don't need to be a genius to figure that out. Then God said. God speaks. God speaks. Can I ask you to open your ears and your hearts and to trust and have faith for God to speak to you somehow? One of the first revelations we have of God is that He's a talking God, that he wants to communicate with you. He doesn't want you to be forgotten, feel neglected. He wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate with you. Then God said, let us. Let us. Let us. And here he is in this holy conference. The Father, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We've already met the Holy Spirit a little earlier in the chapter. We didn't read it because we don't have a lot of time. But the Holy Spirit was there as part of creation. The Holy Spirit was hovering over creation as God was making it. And this conversation is going on as a collective, as a plurality. God is three, but God is one person. And we are made in that likeness. So we know that we have a spirit because we are made in the image of God, right? You have a spirit. You have a soul. You're not just a collection of atoms. You're not just a chemistry accident. You have a body. You have a soul. Because you're made in the likeness and the image of who God is. And the amazing thing is, the God who is a soul and who speaks wants to talk to you who have a soul and also want to be spoken 
And these two things connect. The original design of humanity is that it would connect with God, both physically and both spiritually as well. Carrying on, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock, and over all creation. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. I don't know if you've heard of the uh, grey lag goose. Now, the grey lag goose is, uh, the scientists call it the reds in some experiments. Now, the grey lag goose, when it hatches on this little shell, Within the first 13 to 16 hours, the, the things that it sees in the first hours of its life, it thinks that is it. Because it has this, this imprint which gets on its retina. I'm not I'm really into biology these things, I'm not worried about so part of my competence here. But uh, what this Lorenz discovered was uh, these little ducklings, when they and they're not ducklings because they're geese. These little, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Anyway, these little geese, right? Those are disgusting, thank you. Let's say dumb things we don't mind about here, but it's right. These little goslings uh, in printed thought that Lorenz was, they were like him, and uh, he would wear gum boots. So whenever he put on the gum boots, they would think that they were, that was the mother, right? So they would follow him like that. It's like that Adam and Eve get made, or to picture Adam for now, he gets made, he wakes up, and his imprint, the thing that he is, is God. So he sees God, and it's, that's, that's me, I'm, I'm made in this glorious image. This, this, is, this is who I am. This, is, this the, defines me, this describes me, this is, this is who I am. This is my mirror, I'm made in the image of God. And he, to understand himself, he looked at God to see who God was because he was made in the image of who God was. So, especially for the millennial generation, okay, if you're 37 and older or whatever the color is, you, you, can, uh, you can turn off the next 30 seconds. Talking to the millennial generation, you guys are all asking, who am I? Best way to answer that question? You look at God because you're made in his image. To figure yourself out, you can't do it on your own because you are made in connection in relationship with him. You are, you are his image. That's, that's the original intention and purpose of mankind. You can, you're welcome to try and figure yourself out without reference to God, but it's going to end badly and, you, and you're not going to figure out who you are. If you really understand you and your work and your contribution and your meaning and your purpose, you look at God. And the amazing thing is he wants to talk to me. All right, carry on, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish, the birds, and every living creature that moves on the ground. Okay, so here's how it goes. The formula for meaning and purpose on earth for humans, according to the original design, going back you can't get more original than that. least Genesis chapter 1, right? This is the beginning. In the beginning, it's, this is being described who we are. The formula for meaning and purpose is in four steps that we reach here. I'll break it down for you. Step number one 
is they were made in God's image. Step number two is ruling and exercising dominion and subduing creation. And the implication being how this passage is reading is that if you take the image of God, the image of God is the glory of God. God put and imprinted his glory, who he is, on Adam and Eve, right? If you take God's image, wherever that image goes, it will exercise dominion wherever it goes, as a matter of course. God's glory is so powerful, so glorious, so wonderful, that he puts it on humanity, number one. Number two, where his image goes, his dominion goes. And that's how you rule over the fish and the birds and every inch of creation. And then the third thing is, where his image goes, his dominion goes. And where his dominion goes, it always produces fruit. Be fruitful. Where his image goes, his dominion goes, and it always produces fruit. And number four, it always increases and multiplies. This is how God has made the world. This is how God has breathed purpose and meaning into humanity. Where his image is, his dominion is, which always produces fruit, which always increases. So here's the question. How are you bearing God's image? Because this is, this is the design. Okay, I'm not saying we all do it. Because as the story goes, the temptation is to, instead of going one which does two, which does three, which does four, the temptation is to zoom in on the thing that we really like, which is the fruit. And the multiplication. That's what we really, in our sinful hearts, what we really want, right? The fruit can be money. The fruit can be status. The fruit can be reputation. The fruit can, I'm not sure what your fruit is. And you want an increase of fruit as well. Okay? You want money to increase. You want your status to increase. You, you want, hello, your image to increase. Alright? You want your fruit, your desired fruit, to multiply and to increase. This is exactly what happened to Eve. When you carry on reading, in chapter 3, and again, you might not be a Christian here, but the Christian truth in the Bible is that the devil, or Satan, the serpent, came and tempted Eve. And how did the serpent tempt Eve? Well, he said to Eve, he said, uh, you know the uh, upper line, hey Eve. Hey, you like some fruit. Now God has promised her image, dominion, fruit, and increase. And he comes along and says, hey, Eve, want some fruit? And she's like, what? She should have said, get out of here. God has promised me all the fruit in the world. Like, what have you got to offer? But no, he says, you want fruit? That's where he goes in for. That's how he's going to change you, by the way, with fruit. What is your, what's your fruit that he's tempting you with? You can think about that. He says, hey, do you want some fruit? And she's kind of debating, and then he starts manipulating her. He says, fruit, increase. He says, you don't have enough, Eve. 
You don't have enough increase. You don't have enough wisdom. You, you need knowledge of good and evil. You, there's more stuff which you should have. You should have it. And then it's really coming. So remember, God has offered a dominion, his image, dominion, fruits, and increase. The devil starts offering her a counterfeit of each of those four counterfeit fruits. The fruits of the tree, which they shouldn't eat. Counterfeit increase. Hey, you don't have this, but I can give you more. And then he says to her, I'll read it for you. God knows that when you eat of it, this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The devil is offering her the image of God. How ridiculous is that? She should have said, get lost. I already have the image of God. You can't offer me anything better. And then he offers her the money. He's offered her a counterfeit of all four. Counterfeit fruit, counterfeit increase, counterfeit image of God, counterfeit the money. Because he says to her, you don't really have the money, do you? There's a tree in the middle that you're not allowed to touch. But I can give you the money over it if you want. And she falls for it. And Adam falls for it too. And you and I fall for it. And this detail of what sin is, in simple terms, is telling God to stop being God and to replace ourselves as God. Instead of worrying about God's image, we impose our image on God. That's what sin is. The consequence is curse. The consequence is that Adam and Eve have a massive fracturing or distortion of the image of God. They lose connection. God kicks them out of the Garden of Eden. Their work, which was meant to be joyful and powerful, you bring an image and you just exercise dominion as a matter of course, then it becomes a matter of pain, the sweat of your brow. How many of you have jobs where you sweat? Does this only happen in Singapore? <laughs> How many of you have jobs which have thorns and thistles and difficulties? It's, that's not part of the original design. But the thing is, where the image goes, the dominion goes, the fruit goes, and the increase goes. But if you mess with being the image of God, and you throw God out of the picture, and you distort his image, then it, the ripple effect is... <coughs> dominion suffers, fruit suffers, and instead of increase, you start having scarcity, difficulty. <coughs> Is this relating to anyone? Do you feel like it's tough to make the end of the month? We're, we're always living in kind of anti fruits and fear of decrease and scarcity, right? It's because we mess with the image. But God has a rescue plan for you. You see, he, God himself, remember he was part of the Holy Collective at the beginning that were made in his image. Well, Jesus Christ was part of that conversation of making all things, including Adam and Eve. And Jesus Christ said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to reverse this mess. They've messed up those four things. So Jesus comes in the image of sinful man. He comes as a person. He never sinned. But he said, I will stand in a place of sinful people. So that they can stand in my place. 
Jesus Christ, God himself, lived as a man, as a person, then he went to the cross to die for our sins. He surrendered his dominion. He came in the image of man. He surrendered his dominion. On the cross where he was suffering the agony of death, the ultimate penalty from God, it was a pretty fruitless place. And he was... His, his, his world dominion was reduced on the cross to being this sacrifice for sin. He, he reversed all four of those so that we could stand in his place and be included into Christ. This is the miracle and the wonder of the Christian gospel. This is the message of Christianity. And then he rose from the dead, proving that he had conquered all death. And now we stand in this unbelievable situation of Colossians chapter 1. So would you like to turn there? He wants to restore you to himself if you are not a Christian. The invitation to you today don't yet believe in him, is to put your faith in Jesus. He will forgive your sin, he will wipe out your sin, and he will include you into himself, so that you can be reunified with him. So let's read Colossians chapter 1. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of God. It's all coming back. If you put your faith in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are restored to the image of God. This, this is glorious. Why? Because where the image goes, the dominion goes, and the fruit goes, and the increase goes. You can be restored, and if you're a Christian, you are restored. You are back in the dead center of being the image of God. Let's read on. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. That's just saying he was a man and he has the central point in creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. This is a key phrase. We already had it once, it's coming up the second time. All Things were created by him and for him. All things were created by Jesus. And they are created for him. Can I tentatively suggest that your life and your job and all the bits of your existence are created to be for him? Where his image goes, his dominion will go. He wants his image, his dominion, to go to all things, which includes you and your life and your job and your relationships and your house and your colleagues and every nook and cranny of your life. Because it all falls under other things. Okay. Your soul, if you become a Christian, is redeemed, it's saved. It's already in him. But there's a whole lot of creation which is not yet in him. Okay? Including your job, including 
things which out there in creation, which he is wanting, just like the original intention was in Genesis chapter 1, for all things to fall under his dominion and his authority, so that he can bring blessing and fruit and increase. This is the big idea, and you fit into it if you are in Christ. It's carry on. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. All things hold together in Christ. Uh, so much I want to say on it, but I must press on. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, if you are in Christ, you are in his image, right? We've really established that. But now his body, you are his body. His body is on earth. And now through his body, he wants his body to go into all creation, because it's all made by him, it all belongs to him, and he wants to redeem, he wants to bring every part of creation back into his kingdom, to bring it all under the jurisdiction of his image and his dominion, so that he can bring fruits and life and blessing. Your work, your job, your career, your mothering, your whatever it is that you do with the majority of your time, is part of this process of bringing the image of God to every part of creation. Isn't that wonderfully exciting? So you need to figure out which image of him do you bear. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, middle of verse 18. So that in everything he might have the supremacy or the preeminence. So that he might be the most important thing in everything that you do. It's translated like that. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through him through Jesus, you are now in him, and through you in him, he now wants to reconcile to himself all things. He's already got your soul. He's already reconciled your soul. Now he is wanting to redeem bits of creation and to bring them under his dominion. And this is your job. This is your work. With the things on earth and things in heaven, and so it carries on. So, let's have some application now for your job. And I want to suggest seven prepositions of how you should think about your job, uh, your career, or your work, in terms of bringing the image of God. Because we, it's images, it's dominion will go, which will bring fruit, which will bring increase. The first thing I want to suggest to you is to work under God. Work under God. When you bring your heart, your career, and your job, under the authority of God, what you are doing is you are reinstating a particular image of God. And that image is that God is a king, that he is a ruler, that he is sovereign, that he is supreme over everything, that he is supreme over the most difficult touch of real estate on earth, which is my heart. Okay. Work under God means bringing your heart under his authority. Bring your job under his authority. Not under your own authority, because then you'll aim at the wrong thing, but under his authority. You will reinstate the image that God is a king. Work under God. 
Work with God. Number two, work under God. Work with God. When I was a lawyer, I would draft my legal briefs because most of the time I fell out of my bed and kind of incompetent, not really knowing what I'm doing. I'd say, Jesus, can we do this together? You have the bigger brain. Can you help me draft this legal brief? And we would do it together. And I would invite him into my office and I'd say, hey, let's do this one as a team. Bring my heart into your kingdom. Can you do this with me? Can we work together? He's, he's a great colleague. He's a great colleague. He's got a monopoly on all knowledge and information out there. He's a tremendous to be around and to work with. And when you work with Jesus, what image are you reinstating? You're reinstating the image that he's a person, that he's with you, that he's close, that he cares, that he's a lover, that he's a companion, that he's a person. You're a person because you made like him. You are bringing back that image. And where the image of God being a person comes, his dominion will always come. Because that's how these things work. Work under him. Work with him. Work unto him. Number three, whatever you are doing with your hands, do it unto him. Offer up the work of your hands to him as an offering, as an act of worship. <laughs> this email that I am typing falls under the set of all things. You want to be supreme over all things. You want your image to come to all things. Your image is that you are glorious, that you are divine, that you are holy, that you are worthy of all worship. That is your image. That is who you are. So I want that image to come to this email, and I offer this email up to you. Have it as a sacrifice. It's the most precious thing in my life at this very moment, because the boss needs his email to go out. I offer it to you. I don't have anything more precious at this moment in time, but I offer it to you as, as worship. And I worship you, Jesus, with my email. Would you bring your image of being divine and glorious and holy and majestic to this email? Bam! And then if you redeem that email, and there's images, glories, pulsating all over, whether people see it or not, it's neither here nor there, but it comes and happens. You work under God, the image of him is a king. You work with God, the image of Jesus as a person. You work unto him. It's the image of him being divine and holy and majestic and worthy of all worship. Then number four, you work like him. Question, if Jesus had your job, how would he do it? This is his character. And I'll let me tell you. He's full of joy. He has a terrific sense of humor. He's like a South African. You know, we have a great sense of humor. He is fantastically merciful. He is gracious. He's generous. He's, he's really nice to be around. He's always peaceful. He's, he's so gentle. He's very good. Very faithful. Very diligent in what he does. It is all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But this is the character of Jesus. And if I do my work like him, what am I doing? I'm reinstating the image of what he's like as a person. Um, as we're bringing his Myers-Briggs personality profile. So people can actually see, ah, oh, that's what Jesus looks like. And where his image goes, guess what happens? His dominion goes. And that will automatically produce some kind of fruit. And that fruit, it will just grow and grow and grow and grow and increase and increase. Work under God, reinstate the image of him as a king. Work with God, reinstate the image of 
in the zip codes. Work can do them, reinstate the image it has defined. Work like him, reinstate what his character is like. Work through him. Work through him. You are made in his image. On one, on a general level, you're a person, you're a human, you're a communicable being, you have a soul. I get it. The generality. But what about the specificity? What specific skills, talents, and abilities of his has he learned to you to make you who you are? Remember, I said you can only figure yourself out in reference to him. So, what do you like most about him? What are his attributes or his powers that you really connect with? Chances are, those are the things that he's learned to you. That's who you are. That's your contribution to make on earth. You want to figure yourself out? You look to him. What, what are those gifts or those talents that you need to do your job through? Your choice is you can do it through your own strength to build your own image. Bad idea. Or you can figure out what he's given you and then you do it through that. It might be a less glamorous career than, than your simple heart you design. Don't worry about that. Do it through him. What has he given you? Do it through the gifts that he's gifted you with. Work under God, work with God, work unto God, work like God, work through God, work as God. God is good. God wants to put great education, great music, great medicine, great criminal justice system, great confection, great catering, great project management. God wants to put all these great things into the world to bless and benefit society. You are a part of that. God is good to the righteous and to the unrighteous. What is your contribution in love to make to society? You can work as God blessing the world. And then finally, number seven, work for God and on his behalf in terms of evangelism, in terms of being salt in the office place. And when you do that, you reinstate the image that God is a rescuer, that God is a judge, that God believes in right and wrong, and that God is a savior. You work under him, you reinstate the image of God as a king. If you work with him, you reinstate the image of God as a person. If you work uh, unto him, he's divine, and so on and so forth. It's a sevenfold image that God is asking you to bear and to bring into their view. And when you do that, incredible things are going to result. Don't aim at the fruit. Being his image. So I began by asking you who you are. Who are you? Who, how does God want you? You personally, you sitting here, he's talking to you now directly. What is he giving you? What are your opportunities? What are your skills? What are your gifts? What, what is before you? What is he asking you to be? What aspects of his image are? Really heavy on your heart that you have a burden for. How is he asking you to bear his image? Don't focus on the outcome, the fruits and the increase. That will take care of itself. Give yourself to figuring out a particular image of him that he's asking you to bear. And you take his glory into the world, unbelievable things are going to happen. Shall we pray?
this morning we stand before you. We are so grateful that you saved us, redeemed us, brought our souls back to your kingdom. But Lord, we look out and we see so much of creation which is yet to be <coughs> under your authority, which is yet to have your glory brought to it. And Lord, we want to bring your glory, we want to bring your image to every inch of creation. Thank you for the entrustment that you've given us in this city, in our lives, in our jobs, in our work, the things we are minded to do. And Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to show you as a king, show you as a person, show you as a divine, show your character, show your power, show your goodness, show your gospel, Lord. Would you help us to bring all these images of you into this world? Lord, I want to pray for my friends here, for those who are on the wrong path, for those who are polishing their own image instead of giving themselves to your image. Would you help them, Lord? Would you help them, Lord? Lord, for those who are facing fruitlessness, facing despair, would you just remind them as to who you are and what you have called them to? Would you empower them again? Would you bring a refreshing this morning, Holy Spirit? Lord, we're calling to grow weak, strength, where dreams have been lost and forgotten, would you revive them this morning? Lord, thank you that we can be your body. Thank you that you can exercise your kingdom, your authority through us in this great city. We come humbly before you this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, for redeeming our souls, putting us into your kingdom. Now, Lord, help us to extend your kingdom. Much of this place is